Most of you know that we have um, been in a um, sermon series, in a book study, an all-church book study entitled, When the Game is Over, It All Goes Back in the Box. And what my prayer, I've been praying over all of you that have been doing it uh, with us here at the church and those that have been uh, joining us online, I've been praying, basically I've been praying three things for all of you. The first thing I've been praying is that as we've went through this, these last several weeks, that number one, you would examine your priorities of life. Number two, I've been praying that you would fall more desperately in love with Jesus every day. And it's this third one that you may find a little odd that your pastor would pray this particular thing for you, but I have been. I've been praying that you've been made to feel uncomfortable. Now you might say, why would a pastor pray that his people would feel uncomfortable? Well, I'll tell you why. If you've been actually engaging with the scriptural truths that um, this study has led us to, you will have discovered already that um, the, our cultural values and the biblical truths don't always match up. And because we live in this culture, oftentimes because we're human beings, myself included, we will have a tendency to align ourselves with cultural values rather than with biblical values. And it's in the midst of those, uh, that alignment or the lack of alignment that you should be feeling uncomfortable because they don't go together. Well, um, today's theme or this week's theme should um, kind of make you feel like it's piling on. This week's theme, as you may be aware, is that um, it is our goal, is our responsibility as Christians to, um, to desire to live a life with greatness and with grace. Now, as, as uh, Christians, we think, or as, as American Christians in particular, you might be going, well, I, I, I don't have any problem with any of that. I, 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 uh, I aspire to live a life of greatness as much as I can. Uh, we love, we appreciate greatness. We value greatness in our culture. But what we struggle with is greatness along with grace. Um, in those few moments in my life when I have uh, lived the game of life well, you know what I've wanted to do? Maybe you can relate to this. In those few moments when I have lived the game of life well, I've wanted to, I've wanted to flaunt it. I've wanted to celebrate. I've wanted to trash talk. But the only reason that keeps me from, from acting like that most of the time is when I see other people doing it, it turns me off and I think I don't want to be that. But that's what our culture or values often. Have you ever noticed somebody in a football game when they make a great play on the field, they'll jump up and start doing a little dance and then, then get in the face of the, the person that they just tackled or beat or whatever you notice? When I see that, I go, ugh. But that's what our culture values. As Christians, we should be playing the game of life with an attitude towards great greatness, but we should also be playing it with grace. Well, this morning, on this Palm Sunday, I want to give you the perfect example of someone who learned to play the game of life with greatness and with grace to perfection. And if you haven't already guessed it, his name is Jesus. Jesus played the game of life perfectly with greatness and with grace. And what I want you to notice this morning as I tell you the story, I want you to pay particular attention to not only how he did it but why he did it and I'm going to give you a little clue on why right now 
The re- Jesus, if, he, if anybody had a, a right to spike the proverbial football and do a little trash talking, it would have been Jesus. But the reason why He chose not to is simply because He loves you. It's all about love. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to uh, Luke chapter 19. And as you're doing that, as I try to do every week, I'm going to give you a little context because the context for today is particularly important for us to understand and appreciate what Jesus, how Jesus lived greatness and grace at the same time. Um, it is spring break. The atmosphere that we're entering into in this passage of Scripture today is kind of like spring break in Jerusalem. Tens of thousands of people have descended upon uh, Jerusalem to, uh, for a week-long party. They're excited. It's like this every year. Um, everybody loves to come into town for this party. And, and, but this year, the party was even more special because there was a, a new celebrity that had kind of, risen, kind of risen to prominence. And his name, of course, was Jesus. And word had gotten out that Jesus was going to be at the party. And people wanted to, to get a glimpse of him and, and be a part of, of all that he was. They kind of wanted to just kind of be with him. Because there was something different about this celebrity from all the other celebrities that they had ever known. In fact, many of the people that were there for this spring break party called Passover, many of the people had begun to to almost wrap their own identities into the identity of this new celebrity. In fact, in not so... um, subtle ways, many of them had already decided that they wanted him to be king. This is what happens. Jesus, they know he's coming into town, and um, as they're coming into town, they decide to throw an impromptu parade. Some of them begin to cheer and sing songs about him. Others of them begin to to take off their, this is found in 37, uh, Luke 19, verse 37. It starts right about there, by the way. It says, it says uh, some of them began to cheer and sing songs. Others of them began to take their, their coats off and lie them in, lay them in the road as he passed by. Others of them t- uh, tore branches off the tree and began singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It was awesome. At that particular moment in Jesus' life, he, it appears has reached the pinnacle of greatness, doesn't it? That sounds pretty awesome. In fact, if I were Jesus, it would have been about that particular moment in the story that I would have spiked the proverbial football and trash-talked the Pharisees, right? Because for how many months now, if not years, they've been trying to bring him down, trying to, trying to ruin his reputation with the people, but none of it had worked. Here they are. They're throwing a party for him. They've had a parade. They're proclaiming him king. If anybody had a right to spike the football and trash talk, it would have been Jesus. But he doesn't, does he? He had lived out his purpose with greatness. And now he was about to demonstrate grace. If you look at verse 41, what does it say? So your Bibles, each of your Bibles will maybe say it a little differently, but in essence, this is what verse 41 says. It says that Jesus, right, he comes to the um, top of the hill and he's just getting ready to go down into the city. 
And as he reaches the peak of the hill and looks down over the city, he begins to cry. They weren't tears of joy either. Remember, they're still throwing a party behind him, in the midst of him. But he begins to weep. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if only you had understood that which would bring you peace this day. But for now, it has been hidden from you. If I were to put it, that little statement into the vernacular of, of what we have been studying these last few weeks, basically what Jesus was saying to them was, as He wept, and it wasn't, it wasn't with bitterness, He wasn't pointing fingers, he was, it was with a broken heart. He, he was saying, you guys just don't get it. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you just don't get it. You've been playing the game called life all wrong. And the worst part of it is, you won't listen. You won't listen to anybody. And because you won't listen, because you insist on playing the game according to your rules, life is going to jump up and smack you right in the face. Read the rest of the passage. You'll see that's exactly what he's saying. Because you insist on playing the game called life according to your own rules, life is going to jump up and smack you right in the face. And he wasn't taunting them. He wasn't angry. He wasn't bitter. His heart was breaking for them. There he stood, at the top of the hill, looking down over Jerusalem with the party and the parade still processing behind him. From that moment on, literally, everything was downhill. Because Jesus knew what lie ahead of him um, during this week. Uh, one day he, he came upon a fig tree and it didn't have any figs and he was so anxious because of what was about to happen that he cursed the fig tree and it withered and died. About that same time it says he went into the, the temple. He had been in the, into the temple how many dozens, hundreds of times. And there had been money changers at, at their tables in the temple courtyard every time. But this time, he walks in and he turns over their tables and he calls them robbers and thieves. Gets a lot worse than that though. One of his best friends betrays him. And his best friend denies him. And all the rest of them abandon him. And then he will be arrested for something that he didn't do. And he will be beaten and flogged. And remember that crowd that was cheering for him to become king? 
Now they're cheering for Him to be crucified. Talk about a roller coaster ride, Tom. Just like that, it seemed the tide had turned, right? Or had it? You see, here's the thing you have to understand. If you, if you insist on looking at the game of life from the perspective of the world, it would be easy to believe that the tide had turned and that they were doing this stuff to Jesus. They weren't doing anything to Jesus. The fact of the matter is, everything that happened that week, he planned for it to happen. Nobody was doing anything to him. He planned for this to happen. Because it had to happen. If you are ever going to have the opportunity to be saved, to be in relationship with the pure and holy God, what happened that week had to happen because somebody had to pay for our sin. And the only one that could was Him, right? Nobody did anything to Jesus. That was the way it was planned. That was exactly the way the creator of the game planned for it to happen. It may appear that he has lost the game. But folks, listen to me. He wins. And you win too if you decide that you will um, choose to live this game called life for Him and with Him. Now, He loves you enough that you can go ahead and live the game called life according to your own rules, according to your own purpose. You can do that and He will always love you forever and ever. Amen. But He will also allow you to live with the consequences of doing that forever and ever, all men. What he is saying to you, what he said to us all throughout the week, what he, was, he, was say, what he said to Jerusalem as he stood looking over that hill that day, he's saying to you, if only you would recognize what this day how to find peace. And the only one that is hiding it from you is you. Stop blaming other people. Stop blaming the culture and recognize that right now, whether you're listening online or whether you're setting it, listen to me. I can't be any more clear. Peace, hope, salvation is offered to you this day. And His name is Jesus. And all you have to do is say, I love you, Jesus. I accept the joy, the, the peace, the hope, the salvation that you're offering. I accept the relationship that you're offering me this day, Jesus. But listen to me. When you, ex you see, this, this, this isn't something that you can do. You've either got to be in or you've got to be out. You can't do it halfway. 
You're either in or you're out. If you try to play the game called life halfway, half according to your rules, half according to his rules, it'll never work. If you do it that way, you're out. There's no negotiating the rules. Either you live for him or you live for yourself. Which is it going to be? God will never give up pursuing you. God will never stop offering you the hope and the peace and the salvation that comes from being in relationship with Him. But there's no halfway. You're either in or you're out. So which is it? Start playing the game called life the way it was intended and give yourself to Jesus. Now how do you begin to do that? It begins simply by making a decision. It's not good enough that you said, well, I came to church today. Well, I'm glad you came to church today. I'm glad you're listening online today. But that's not good enough. You must make the conscious decision to say, yes, I accept you, Jesus, not only as my Savior, but as my Lord. You've got to make that decision. I can't do it for you. Mom and Dad can't. Grandpa and Grandma can't. You've got to do it yourself. And it's not too late. You can do it today. As the band's coming up to lead us in our final song for this morning, if there's any of you that are ready, you think today is the day that you're ready to make that decision. You're ready to stop being half in and half out. I would love to pray that prayer with you. I'll be right over there is our prayer room where that, where that open door is. I'll be standing right over there and I would love to pray with you today if that's a decision you're ready to make. If there's anything else that's going on in your life that you may need a prayer with your pastor or want a prayer with your pastor regarding, it would be my privilege to pray with you no matter what. I'll be right over there. Stand with us, won't you? I see the works of your hands Galaxies spinning in heavenly dance Oh God, all that you are So overwhelming I hear the sound of your voice All at once it's a gentle thundering noise Oh God, all that you are So overwhelming I delight myself in you, captivated by your beauty. I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed by you. God, I run into your arms, unashamed because of mercy. I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed. Forever you be my God. 
I delight myself in you, in the glory of your presence. I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed by you. God, I run into your arms, unashamed because of mercy. I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed by you. You are beautiful, you are beautiful, oh God, there is no one more beautiful. You are beautiful, God, you are the most beautiful. You are wonderful, oh God, there is no one more wonderful. You are wonderful, God, you are the most wonderful. You are glorious, you are glorious, oh God, there is no one more glorious. You are glorious, God, you are the most glorious. Thanks, praise team. Would you please join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we are overwhelmed by you because you truly were and are the greatest. The greatest in living, the greatest in dying, and most importantly, the greatest in rising again. We thank you for your grace, Lord, that you give us. We thank you for the words we heard today that we know come directly for you, from you, for us. As was said, you lived for us. I pray, Lord, that I can live for you and that all of my brothers and sisters here can live for you as well. Please help remind us of that this week with each and every decision we make, each and every step we take, that you gave everything for us to love us so that we can love you. 
Pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us to show that love to the world this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please, we look forward to everybody joining us again next week for Easter to celebrate the end of the roller coaster and that Jesus died for us. 8 o'clock or 9.30 next week. Hope you can be here. Have a great week.